Hello, everyone. It has been a really long time since I did one of these HP One podcast things. Let's not pretend it's a normal thing that I do. Uh, but <laughs> I was in England for the majority of the spring, and now I've had a job the past few months, so I haven't really gotten around to it. However, I have been really excited to sit down with some fellow YouTubers who I haven't talked to in a while. Uh, Today, I'm sitting down with Say Goodnight Kevin, who has been a longtime friend of mine, but we've never actually talked in person. <laughs> Kevin does uh, reviews of bad Christian movies, as well as occasionally good Christian movies, <laughs> as well as a lot of other sort of satirical and commentary content. Uh, and I've really enjoyed his stuff for many, many years because I really enjoy the commentary on the genre of faith and Christian film um, and how it can be done so very, very poorly, and how maybe it could be done right someday. <laughs> so today we're talking about that and a lot of other things. I hope you enjoy. But you probably have to ask a question or in, or say something, right? I guess I have to say something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's. It's actually surreal to to hear your voice like talking to me specifically. Yeah. <laughs> because I've no, listened. to I your, always was. Yeah. Whoa, wow. Man. Yeah, you didn't realize this, but I've actually, nobody listens. <laughs> You're the only one. I would not be surprised, but, you know, because I always thought it was such a niche thing. Houston, <laughs> not the city. I uh, One download. I've never heard that joke before, ever. Well, I, I was clarifying for the, the listener. I see, yeah. Yeah, it's like people saying goodnight to me, and I'm like, heh, I get it. <laughs> Do you find that most people get the reference in your channel name or is it like totally just a thing that only you get? Like I, I got think, it, but you know, I think people I've been surprised at how many people have gotten it. Yeah. Um but even people who don't I'll have people laugh at it. <laughs> and like and I'm like what's the joke there? I can't imagine it being a joke outside of context. But yeah. I've had people say like like because I'll have because I wear my shirts because I've already paid for them so I might as well wear them <laughs> and uh, it'll they're like oh, what's your shirt? oh it says say goodnight Kevin that's funny and I'm like is it though is it <laughs> in what are you do you find it funny because you love Home Alone or or is it just is there a weird yeah about it that's funny <laughs> uh. I don't know. I'm not actually sure, but I think a lot of people catch it. I mean, it's a it's a yeah. pretty popular movie. And I, I do think like semi-ironic movie quotes that are obscure references, like that just passes for humor now. Like that's yeah. If you're just quoting a random obscure line and people recognize the obscure line, that's funny, I think. Now. Well, <laughs> but that's not new. Uh Yeah. I that's actually my parents um would quote movies all the time and then they would say oh we should have the kids watch that movie like growing up and stuff yes and one of the 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 biggest ones was probably monty python and the holy grail like apparently kids used to just go around school quoting that movie all the time like and there would be no context <laughs> they would just say oh he turned me into a newt like my mom had never seen that movie but my dad had and but my mom knew a bunch of the lines and she's like yeah all the boys at school would say oh she turned me into a newt i got better <laughs> like that was just so it was, and that uh, was the joke it was the so, office of of yeah. that generation yeah yeah and so i i think that it's 
that's just something that happens. I I know it's pro- it probably happens more now because yeah. of you know that's like what YouTube channels are are just a bunch of references, and then you know like that's what Family Guy was. So just right. hey, here's a reference to a thing that happened when Seth MacFarlane was a kid, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I mean, I but I I think it's I think that's uh, I think it's not a new thing. Yeah. I guess it's really just the internet that has made it, you know, easily, uh, easy to perpetuate. <laughs> and I think there's more, there's, you know, there's even more because yeah. it used to be that, oh, everybody saw this episode of, you know, I don't know, um, WKRP in Cincinnati, you know? And so everybody yeah. quoted that episode, but, uh, and, and you see that a lot of people will really love some show from like the 70s or something but or or oh a better thing um <laughs> SNL yes everybody talks about how hilarious SNL was when they were yes. in high school <laughs> and you watch old episodes and you're like these there's some funny stuff like if you watch the best of SNL right yeah then you're like oh yeah i see but those and those are the moments that they all remember because yeah. those are the moments that they quoted when they went to school but they don't remember the dumb sketches. So when they turn on Saturday Night Live now, they're like, oh, this is not nearly as funny as when I, my <laughs> generation, when Eddie Murphy was on there, that's when it was good. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but like, n- not, it wasn't always good. Like, watch through a season and see how good it really is. <laughs> There's some duds. Well, I think it's funny in terms of like how certain movies have just like the perception of certain movies has mutated as the generation that appreciated them grew up you know i mean Mm. it's happened with the star wars prequels where like they were panned by critics and people were furious about them Mm -hmm. and when i was like first getting into the internet like you know when i first started making videos which was around like 2010 or so uh all that I would see online was like people making fun of the Star Wars prequels and the, and the Plinket reviews and everything. Mm-hmm. And now it's like totally the opposite. Now it's prequel apologetics and like everything else is is panning the sequels. And I think it's because, yeah, like now the kids who grew up with the prequels, like you can't imagine Star Wars without like General Grievous and like, yeah. you know, you and McGregor's Obi-Wan and everything. And like... Yeah, and I'm sure that the Clone Wars series has so much to do with that. Yeah, exactly. They're so based on the prequels, and they're not bad. Yeah, like the the not the the prequels are bad, but the <laughs> the Clone Wars. Oh, you're on thin series. ice there, Kevin. Now, I mean, ten years ago it would have been easy to say that, but now, yeah, now it's a controversial statement. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, I still watch the I still watch them probably ev- once every three or four years yeah because there is a nostalgic aspect to it because those were the ones i saw in theaters yeah i you know i'm not old enough to have seen the the original ones in theaters but i there's a nostalgic aspect because my parents that was one of the movies where like they would quote stuff you know oh no i'm but they but they did a great job at hiding the twist and so i remember seeing it Mm. and not knowing and i think that's probably the most the saddest part about the prequels is if you have seen those first right it 
spoils the whole twist. Well, I, I also think it's interesting how kids will perceive the sequels in in a, a couple decades mm-hmm. because I go like they won't experience the roller coaster of emotions of people who didn't know what was going to happen next in yeah. in you know like the retconning of Ray being a Palpatine, which is so obviously a retcon, like. Right. That that won't be a retcon to them. They'll they'll watch just like we all watch Star Wars now, or at least most people, knowing that that Anakin Skywalker is Luke's father, like that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Like it'll be the same thing with that, and so yeah. you won't have any sense of like disappointment or anything. Which I yeah. do wonder what the the political aspect of those, like not political, like yeah, you know, of course there's the the politics of the day that are kind <laughs> of in it, but what the so much of um of rise of skywalker is such a reaction to blogs yeah, yeah. Uh, and, or or whatever the kids are tweets or whatever like it's so <laughs> such a reaction to fans and this like tiptoeing to not offend and to to do yeah. to fix all the problems and and i wonder what that'll look like out of you know out of context right like you wonder if it'll be less comprehensible because it's just a jumble of responses to fan criticism mm-hmm. or if like without that context it'll just be like a movie and you go okay i guess this is what this is like, yeah well i think yeah. a, a positive aspect of that i don't know if you've seen the movie Ni- knives out mm-hmm. um I, I i didn't see it when it came out i carmen and i just watched it recently yeah and that has so much like obviously the idea there you know, well, and that's Ryan Johnson, so that's a that's a good segue too. Wow, so many connections. Very easy, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that movie has a lot of, you know, I, I assume the idea was let's do a murder mystery, it, but it happens now. Yeah. And by now, we mean like right now it happens. And I think because they do it that way, and they they bring up very very in like today references yeah. you know referencing trump and the border and and all kinds of of modern day politics but also like the cell phones that they use and and everything yeah. like it's all very intentionally today and to me it made me think like well this is interesting that they're doing this for a movie that feels like such a classic like yeah, this movie exactly. will be I think a classic because it's so well done mm-hmm. and and so interesting and I think people will watch it years from now. But I think it will because they do the kind of um col- not colonial but um you know like a colonial built house sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um very much like a uh you know d- the feel is like the um the the what's that show Downton Abbey sort of yeah, kind of Agatha Christie mystery yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. Kind of feel to the shots and to the the house and everything. You, um, it has that classic feel immediately with that stuff mixed in. But I think that because of that, it will feel like a period piece yes. of today yeah. in yeah. 30 years from now. That yeah. people watch it and it'll be kind of a time capsule of today. And I think that they did a good job at representing the the sides of the argument yeah. without... You know, obviously, the whole family, they're bad people. And I think there is an interesting exploration of like, well, we're the nice ones. We'll take you in. Don't worry. We will care for you. But as soon as push comes to shove, they 
they're just as terrible as the rest. Right. It, it feels so much like it's it's less about like you see the arguments and you see what kind of people they're like and like what they believe and what their stances are on things. But like they're it's less about what they believe that shows that they're bad people. It's more the power and money that they have that ultimately mm-hmm. corrupts them, you know, which I thought was so nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. I read yeah. a, a interview with Ryan Johnson where he talked about how he his inspiration to have it be set in the present day was that uh, Agatha Christie's mysteries, which he based it off of, uh-huh. um, he talked a lot about how like they people think of Agatha Christie mysteries as very like timeless and mm-hmm. they, they you know could be set anytime, but how if you actually go and read them, they speak very specifically to the political issues of their day. And so he wanted to do the same thing. That's interesting. With, with yeah, this. that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Like I could see that I can see that watching it. I'm, you know, but I think that that is a great example of the right way to do that kind of thing yeah. to incorporate stuff because there's nothing wrong with, you know, I mean, I talk a lot about Christian movies on my YouTube channel. Oh, we'll get to so, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the biggest grievances that people have, speaking of uh, grievous, <laughs> grievances. Uh, <laughs> Good segue. I'm really segueing. <laughs> Everything I say is going to segue from Star Wars. Uh, the the issues that like are kind of shoehorned into these films feel so unorganic to yeah. to the story. But there's a way to, it's not the content itself. Now, just like with family dinners, you don't want to bring up politics and religion. It's the same in a movie. You shouldn't, it's, these are the difficult things to bring up in a movie. That doesn't mean you shouldn't bring them up, but it does mean that these are things that are not simply flippantly thrown into a movie. Right, because people will have reactions to it that will not be what you anticipate, no matter what you say. And so what I think is so good about Knives Out that people could learn from no matter what your, you know, no matter what you, if you want to put religion or politics into a movie, is that it is so intentional and, and it, it isn't like, how can we push this agenda? And in fact, like you said, the, the conversations, the subjects that they're talking about, it's not about that. It's about something else outside of that. And yeah. the, the it shows kind of like even though they have these kind of inside political partyism arguments, there's something else they should be focusing on, and that's yeah. what terrible people they are. <laughs> and it's almost like that's a distraction. Like yeah. their uh, their petty party politics is a distraction from who they really are. Well, and it's almost like a, it's a, they want to make them feel, themselves feel better by believing a certain thing, mm-hmm. but those beliefs don't have anything to do with how they actually present themselves in their real life. Like, yeah. And so it's definitely, yeah, an interesting examination of like, no matter what you believe, you can be a terrible person. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's, that's the great thing Isn't that interesting? It. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's in that show uh, or in that movie they they make a bigger point the movies is so having that isn't all right we really want to bash trump or we want to really push for you know a, a border wall or whatever like that's not the intention of it they used those 
topics for a purpose as a yeah. tool in order to tell their story in order to develop their character and man the character i'm i'm a huge sucker for character development and and solid quality characters and that movie has so many it's good, so good characters yeah <laughs> yeah and great actors too i mean I, I was not sure about daniel craig at first i was like oh no this is going to be the most caricature right uh person and i you know even that i was like why wouldn't he just do a british accent at, at first that's what i was feeling because because it we're used to sherlock having a british accent why wouldn't he why wouldn't this character just have yeah he's basically playing sherlock so but as it went on um it made more sense and it really really worked and I, i'm glad that he made the choices that he did yeah, I think it strikes the line of like it's got this wonderful tension of being almost a parody but also mm-hmm. taking itself just seriously enough. Like especially, yeah. I mean, you know this, like his southern accent is not right. <laughs> anywhere close to a real southern accent. Like I <laughs> paused it. I was like this is the Hollywood I'm from Charleston southern right. accent that they that's from like Gone with the Wind. Yeah. But <laughs> like, it totally nobody, works. I've never in my life Having lived in South Carolina, <clears throat> I never met anybody who actually talked like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but I, yeah, I, it works. I watched the uh, commentary track a few weeks ago, and it was really funny. It was only it was the the commentary track was Ryan Johnson, and then the one other person on the track was the actor who plays the like assistant cop, the one who like gets all the references and stuff. Yeah. yeah he was and great. it was really funny because it was just like a seemingly random guy with Ryan Johnson on the commentary track. That's but awesome. He, but they were like really close friends and so it was really fun. Um but oh, yeah, man. He, his character made the movie yes, work. Yeah. Uh, I, I always love like comedy characters within a drama. Yeah. Yeah. That can when it when it works. You know, the the levity. But so often it doesn't work, and it's like, oh man, this this person sticks out. But when it does work, and in this movie, it worked so well. Well, especially because um, he says exactly what the audience is thinking, and right. every you know, especially when Daniel Craig is giving his spiel about what the the mystery is unraveling to <laughs> yeah. be, and the one cop is like, you know, this is crazy, and he's like, let him finish, let him finish. You're like, yeah, I agree. I had a crazy theater experience. I just remembered this. When I saw the movie the first time, I went to a, they, like they had just, just when theaters had started, uh, or just before theaters closed back in the fall, uh, they, like more and more movies were doing things where they would like have an early screening that was just open to the public and you could just get a ticket. And so I saw it like two weeks before it came out and it was just, they had a one night early screening. Um, but when I saw it, I actually went to the Friday night screening and it was a free one. And then they had one more early screening the next night on Saturday night. So I saw it the first night and I loved it. And then I went back on Saturday night to see it again and brought a friend. And the whole movie, there was a guy who was very clearly on drugs and he was in the very front row of the theater and he kept like getting up to to leave and then coming back and every time he would get up to leave, he would trip over someone's purse on the like that was in the aisle. He would do it every time. And so right when Daniel Craig was solving the mystery, finally, uh, like three cops come in and arrest this guy and they're <laughs> taking him out of the theater. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, and my, my friend who was with me later was like, 
was like, was that part of the movie? Like, was that... <laughs> it's, it's it was the like fifth right dimension. During, yeah, it was insane. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like when Spy Kids 3D came out and they had the scratch and sniff uh, exactly. cards that they gave you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the the commentary track. That's what I was talking about. Um, in the commentary, he talks about how it was really, really difficult to pitch the movie to people just using the screenplay I because uh, especially with that first hour of the movie where mm-hmm. they're doing all of the the sort of characters giving their perspective on the events and the backstory on each character mm-hmm. on the page, it's like a lot of like, you know, here's a location and here's the thing yep. happening here and then flashback to this location. And then, you know, and so it was really hard for people to keep track of that. And they kept asking him to trim it down. And he would, he had to be like, no, 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 it'll work. Like, I promise it's going to work. You know? And, yeah. Well, yeah, I was thinking um, afterward, I was like, I, cause it's not a lot of locations. And mm-hmm. I was like, I bet, I don't know what the budget was for this movie, but I bet the majority of the budget went into the cast. Yes. Yeah. And, I think, though, Ryan Johnson will be able to do a bigger budget, more locations uh, movie next because yeah. of this movie. Because uh, this obviously, it didn't cut corners, but it's a script that works, uh, that doesn't need a huge budget for locations. Well, and, and it even, it makes the most of the fact that it's so limited. Like, I love mm-hmm. the, um, that was the dumbest car chase ever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's one of my that favorite bits. And I think in the commentary he talks about, he's like, "Yeah, we had like a crazy car chase in mind. It was going to be awesome, and then the budget didn't allow it, and so we just decided to put that line in and yeah. be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah." And, and it ultimately, worked. it's and, better. And it, yeah. yeah, because when she has to say, you know, was did he tell you to to run? And yeah. she says yes, even though I thought it was weird that she threw up, but I I, I also think because she, he did tell her to. To drive faster. But I think that it's good because it emphasized that her throwing up isn't just like a superpower that it's like alt control delete. She throws up. (laughs) It's it's something that, yes, it's when she lies, but it's really more a nervous thing that uh, that she throws up a a little bit even when she's uh, telling the truth. But she knows that it's dishonest, that it's it's deceptive. Um, So. But, man, there's so many things at the end where I'm like, oh, because of this. And you don't even have to catch all of them. Yeah. And I probably didn't. But, you know, oh, because she said her and her father had a special way of communicating. Yes. Uh, And you think, you know, in the context initially, I love those things where in in context initially you think, oh, it's, you know, like like a father and a daughter have a special way. They just have a bond with each other. Uh, that she's a daddy's girl. Yeah. But then you see later, oh, they had a secret way to communicate literally <laughs> uh, th- that the, the letter was not blank. It was yeah. it had the lemon juice on it. And well, that's the, that's the hilarious thing about this movie in general is that, like, it shows its cards, like, within yeah. the first 30 minutes. Like, and really, like, almost everything is laid out there right in front of you. And even, like, you know, I mean, we find out who did the murder, like, an hour in. And so yep. then it really doesn't, like, it stops being a whodunit for the audience and starts being, like, well, all right, like, is she going to get I away with it? I knew there was going to be a, yeah, you've got that feeling, but in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, but, like. There this, has to be another thing. Yeah, yeah. I saw Brick. I know how Ryan Johnson works. <laughs> Yes. 
this isn't going to be this way. But it is. It's like, man, even if this is it, if we've solved the mystery already, now I'm like, I'm so on the edge of my seat and ho- hoping this girl gets away with murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the power of film. Man. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's such a good movie. I'm I'm so glad that you've seen it because I, I wanted, I mean, Carmen and I talked a good bit about it, but I wanted to talk to somebody about it. And yeah. now I have. It's one of those like solid gold like movies that I can just recommend to anyone. Every year yeah. there's like a few of those where I'm like, this is like high quality filmmaking, but it's not pretentious. And I know yeah. anyone I, I recommend it to will enjoy it. You know, I really yeah. appreciate that. My, stuff. I would always, I would probably with anybody give like a caveat where I'd say, look, give it its first hour. Because yeah. I do think that there's a bit of, you're like, what? You know, with the the accent of Daniel Craig, with the <laughs> wide angle lenses and upward shots that make Daniel Craig at the beginning looked terrible. Like the 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 angle on him was really yeah. bad, but it was intentional. It was supposed to make you uncomfortable. But I was like, this feels like like it's trying to be a um, who's the guy the 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 hotel. Uh, oh, Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson. Yeah, It yeah, feels yeah. like it's trying to be a Wes Anderson film, but not quite, you know. Yeah. Wes Anderson has a very, like, nobody does what Wes Anderson does when making a movie because it, right. it takes too long. Only film students who are, <laughs> yes. like myself. But even then, man, <laughs> apparently he he plans the whole thing out before he hits record. Like, yeah. Like, I, I know everybody plans stuff out, but, like, they rehearse it and rehearse it. Like, so all day they're not filming and they're rehearsing the scene. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, they hit record and film it. It's like a play, I guess. But that's insane. Um, It is interesting to see how different directors do things differently. Because some will, like, just fil- do a million different takes. Some, like Wes Anderson, will do very few takes. Yeah. Um. You know, some will uh, like like the the Cohen brothers. Apparently, they plan they do all that in the scripting, so there is almost no improv ever in yeah, one of yeah, their yeah. movies. They yeah. have it all worked out, and it is the way it is in the script, which is interesting because so much feels improved at times in their movies. Like not in a bad way, but in a good way. Yeah, no, I agree. I was I was watching Back to the Future two days a few a few mm-hmm. days ago, and I was like. Man, like there are certain things that like you just can't write, you know, like there mm. certain things that just an actor brings to something that you couldn't have thought of or put down on the page. Like there's yeah. a, you know, all the looks that Doc Brown gives Marty oh, yeah. in that movie. Yeah. It's like no one wrote that. Like that's just Christopher Lloyd, you know, um, or even if like you did write it, it wouldn't be that, you know, it would right. be something very sanitized. <laughs> and yeah, it's definitely I love the unpredictability of of stuff like that, you know, it's, uh, I, and I think that's a little bit of what I was getting at with knives out is that it, if it didn't have the cast, like they needed a good cast and the cast really, they don't elevate the script in, in a way that, you know, like, Oh, the script was bad and they made it, but they did make it work. And, and I mean, a lot of that is probably good direction as well, but it, it needed, like you said, the script probably was pretty boring reading yeah. it and confusing but having a vision and having people who can pull those pull those uh scenes off man i was thinking about that today i was watching um 
a video about the Lion King, the the com- kind of comparing the live action with the with the ah, cartoon. Yeah, was it the nitpicks video? It was the nitpicks video, <laughs> yeah. and uh, what was interesting is I really like John Favreau. Yeah, I do too. It's crazy to me. <laughs> He's like, I I think that he is. I I think of back to his repertoire, and he is. I I think he needs really good actors. Yeah. In the right situations to work because he's really good at technical stuff. He likes technical stuff and he knows how to make something into a story. And it's not like Lion King wasn't the story was already there. So all he had was to do the technical stuff. And because he's having the actors, and I think that's why Jungle Book works, is because there isn't a lot of dialogue. Yeah. But because the in animation is so difficult when it comes to actors, and you can tell that, I mean, you've got great actors doing voices, but they clearly aren't in a position where they're super comfortable doing voice acting. Like mm-hmm. like Donald Glover, I don't think sounds very good <laughs> no, in that movie, yeah. even though he's such a good actor, but yeah. in with the wrong direction. And I think John Favreau, you look at something like um, like Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. is amazing at being Iron Man and at being that character that so all Favreau had to do is focus on the other stuff yeah, and and getting the story together. And so. I don't know. I just I'd never thought of that because I think he's a great director. And in the same way with Mandalorian, I think that there's a good cast. Yeah. And so he's able to shine with the things that he likes and the things that he's good at. Well, it's interesting because like with so many of these Disney things like and I I'm just like Josh. I am a massive Disney Parks fan. But like, you know, with so many of these Disney things like you never know how much is under their thumb Mm-hmm. And how much really was the director's full control? Like you get a lot of with Marvel and with everything. Like you know they had Taika Waititi do Thor Ragnarok and stuff like that. And it's very unclear like how much control they really had and how much like they just felt an obligation to just serve the brand or do something that was more sanitized. Like and, and that's the interesting thing is when like you know they get so many art house filmmakers and then sort of sanitize them so mm-hmm. so much like uh scott derrickson did uh dr strange, dr. strange he's a, yeah yeah he's a friend of my dad's and he's really cool and really talented and he made all of these amazing horror films and yet he did that and it's like this really fine movie mm-hmm. <laughs> like and, yeah. and and even with like i still remember being very uh like skeptical of donald glover doing simba's voice and thinking like He's got to have some sort of ulterior motive behind this because, like, he's such a – he's generally in his career been such a – especially, like, with Childish Gambino and the rap that he does and everything. He's been such a, like, intentional presence as an artist and he does so many things with a motive behind it because he cares. And so then it's really jarring to, like, see him – just voicing Simba in The Lion King yeah, and obviously not caring at all, you know? Right. But I don't know. I don't know. It could be... To me, I think it, it'd be... The two obvious things would be that he grew up with the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, he's around my age, and so he would have grown up watching that movie uh, and liking it. Um, and then... Or that he got a ton of money 
And that's nice too. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Because <laughs> yeah. when you do, I mean, when you do a movie like that, that's, I mean, I, I think it's um, Robert Downey Jr. told uh, Chris Evans when he was debating doing, you know, because Chris Evans hadn't done a, like big movies and he was worried about being tied to a brand. And he's like, look, yeah. you do this, you can do anything you want. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, that's, it's true. So in that regard, or the, the, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck quote from uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, where he's like, one for you, one for them, one for you, one for them, you know, and and as a that's, lot of people. That's basically my YouTube philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to put one out for them for a long time now. <laughs> I, for, I keep forgetting. Uh, but they, they, there is that level to where, like, if you can do, I mean. You know, if you're Robert Downey Jr., now you could do anything you want. Yeah. Like uh like Dr. Like Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was the only that's the only Joe Rogan podcast that I've ever listened to. But uh-huh. I listened to him talking to Robert Downey Jr. And it was really funny because he was like you know, man, I, I really respect you doing Doolittle, you know? I mean, I, I know it sounds like a joke, but, like, you, you know, it's obvious you you want to do something different with your career and whatever. And I was like, all right, don't 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 give him too much credit, man. you like, wanted he, to do something different, like, money. be in a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice change of pace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but with um, with Donald Glover, I... I would say that, you know, maybe it's like, well, because, I mean, to get... A, vo- a voice act to be a voice actor for Disney, you get so much money. Oh yeah, it, like their movies pay a lot, and they're great contracts. This is fr- just from what I've heard from people in the biz. That, in the biz, like that's the contract you want. If you get, a- if you're a voice actor, Disney is the gold standard for quality contracts. Um, especially since the Robin Williams fiasco where he had a bad, (laughs) bad contract, but it's not like he had a bad contract. I'm sure he had an okay, (laughs) but all of that to say, um, you know, with, with money like that, then you can do whatever you want with, with your show or, or whatever. So, but, but I'm hesitant to think that in, in terms of. Because I also don't think that he was great in Solo. Like, it felt like he was kind of half-hearted. Yeah. Like, yeah. kind of phoning it in there. Like, which was surprising because I was like, this is the role where he's going to really shine. Right. Because I think he's perfect for the role. Yeah. I well, don't know. And with that, I mean, and with all these, like, recent, so many of the recent Disney things, like, it's so unclear how much was going on behind the scenes you know like Mm -hmm. maybe he gave a really amazing performance in the lord and miller cut like (laughs) yep and you know yeah see that's the cut i want to see released but i don't think it exists i don't think so i I think it's it's far less um put together yeah i think they were I could be but wrong, I, but I remember them saying they were booted off after seventy percent of production was filmed. Man, I'd still like to see that then. Yeah, just man. even the just the footage. Just release all the. It's like the, <laughs> just the whatever the like five hundred like hours or something. Of, yeah, yeah, like all the hours of genie that exist. <laughs> apparently, yeah. there's some out there. I've listened to it, and it's really yeah, there's it's really something good. like heartwarming. You know, obviously because Robin Williams has passed, but also just. To hear these moments in Aladdin, 
but with different lines. You yeah. know, like they could do a completely different cut, kind of like with with Anchorman, where yeah. <laughs> where they it's do a different like, cut. They it's did. Uh, awesome. You can go and watch the John Mulaney improv for Spider Ham in Spider Verse, where he's oh, just okay, swearing yeah. like nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> and that was pretty funny. I also I would have very much looked forward to seeing how Lord and Miller would have worked in their dolphin sound effect into Solo. Because mm. in every movie, they include a dolphin sound effect for some reason. Interesting. And that would have been really great. I, think I mean, that's... <laughs> I'm sure they had that lobster uh, scissor punch. Yes. Therm, therm scissor punch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. they could have just had an alien with that as their... Uh... I mean, Chewbacca's just a bear. I am so. shocked that you know the name of... Therm scissor punch. Uh, well, I, you know, <laughs> I know too you many are a 30 something year old man. I mean, I know the name because I am a 20 year old man, but <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm, a YouTuber, I'm not married. So. Yeah, of yeah, course. I see. Pro- yeah, I should. Yeah, I won't be for very long if I keep all this trivia in my brain. Oh, man. <laughs> so, segue, uh, yes. I guess there, there were two things I kind of wanted to talk about. In this okay. podcast, uh, one was YouTube stuff, and the other was Christian movie stuff. Uh, your two stuffs, I think, and and some of my stuffs as well. <laughs> so, um, I guess I would ask. You know, I watched your breakthrough video, the the video about the film Breakthrough, uh, a few weeks ago, yeah. and I very much enjoyed it. And I was I was watching it to, I was like looking forward to mocking the movie because I hadn't seen it. And then I was like, oh, man, like this is actually decent. I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so, yeah, like what's the do you have anything else coming soon? I, that's a very generic question. But hey. OK, yeah, I was I was like, like, what is what is the question here? What are we? Uh, uh, <laughs> you are dealing it, it, it with reminds a person me of who how... has no professional interviewer experience. <laughs> it reminds me of how I ask questions, though, on my <laughs> podcast. I'm like, yeah, so you you. <laughs> You you made this movie, right? That's pretty cool. It's, it's like, just uh, like it's like Chris Farley. Yeah, in, uh, exactly. <laughs> wow. So you got you like made some music. You remember That's that cool. part when stupid you question. did the thing that that was awesome. <laughs> oh, stupid, stupid question. <laughs> and they're like, "Yes, I do remember that part." <laughs> so yeah, I did review uh, that movie, mm. and it the the what is it uh, breakthrough. <laughs> that was yeah. the last one I reviewed. I'm working on a review of I Still Believe right yes. now. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, that one, I don't know. See, these things take so long, and maybe you deal with this too with, with some of your like more in-depth type yeah. videos. There's an emotional aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you care, I it, some people I think just put out some videos where like like – I'll I'll call them out. I think people like Cinema Sins, for example. I don't, agree. Don't stress <laughs> over whether what they're saying is factually true or yes. not. <laughs> they'll just do it and like, well, it's just a joke. We're just a comedy show, and they'll crank out three episodes a week, and yeah. uh, you know. But also, they've got staff writers, and and right. they're not doing anything but recording the scripts, and and there's. But when you are a small operation and you sometimes have some of the directors of the films that you're talking about seeing what you're saying about yes. them, yeah, um, it, it adds a layer of like, well, I better get it right. 
You yeah. know, I don't mind being like harsh, but I don't like when I'm harsh and can't back it up. Yeah. And you so, don't want to then later interview the director and they bring <laughs> up something on your podcast that you said that was definitely right. not true. Like you said we were total jerks and <laughs> m- hungry for money. What did you mean by that? <laughs> uh, so, exactly. So with, um, and it's also a little bit hard when you've you've kind of established a show. Like if Cinema Sins came out with a Cinema Wins video, right? And they talked about a movie they liked. It would be so weak. Like their audience, as as sweet and loving and gentle as their audience is, <laughs> uh, I think that they would get so much pushback because. Everyone just is there to hate every movie. And I I think in that regard, it's hard to be positive on the internet about a movie. And so in the same way, you better back it up. Um, You know, my audience isn't going to call me out necessarily for being negative about a movie. Because that's what they're there for, is to hear me riff on a movie. But if I'm positive about a movie, and then it's a little more nerve wracking yeah. for some reason. And so well, with with uh, with because what if I'm wrong? What if it actually is a terrible movie, <laughs> and I've sold out? I've done too many interviews, and uh, <laughs> and now I've saw so- I've gone soft. Yep. And so with Breakthrough, though, I watched it once, and I was like, well, there's there's some stuff in here that are, is just cheesy and ridiculous, but. There's, having watched Christian movies so much, so many times, there's specific things that are just lacking in Christian movies. That is, it's even hard to explain to people who make these movies because they're like, well, what, you know, actually this is based (laughs) on a story that this is an event, this miracle that happened. I felt it happen once and it's like, okay, but it doesn't feel real. It doesn't, you know, well, what do you mean? It is real. We're just (laughs) stating the facts. It is real. It is real. And I'm like, oh, we're getting into that then? Uh, <laughs> the map is real. Uh, I hope that you're making a Final Sacrifice reference. Yes. Good. <laughs> Perfect, obscure reference. Uh, and so, let's see. Um, in the same way, I, I, I Breakthrough was... I usually when I put out a video, I'm like, okay, I've I've kind of balanced all of the things. Like even yesterday, I was looking through my unplanned review because I was looking for a clip, and I was like, I'm proud of this review because this is unplanned is a a touchy subject, and yeah. I I had a lot of the people who were involved in the movie. I think they had like a a like a Facebook group where they were uh, conspiring against me uh, to <laughs> to like convert me or something. Oh no! And, and they were like a prayer group or something. <laughs> like I genuinely think that might that have real? been real. Yes. Wow. And because a lot of people involved in the movie contacted me, and like were like we we like just being nice to me, yeah. and that always makes me a little suspicious. <laughs> so I, it was a stressful like, I it probably I was stressed out most of last year over getting ready to do that review like knowing that movie was going to come out and i was going to review it and this is how am i going to approach it and i you know eventually decided on taking an approach of just reviewing the movie as the movie and not talking about all the controversy that could be brought up surrounding that movie yeah 
And if I did bring up any controversy, it would be kind of a passing joke more than it would be just, let's figure out if abortion is right or wrong <laughs> uh, in my review of this movie, you know. And so it it was, um, I'm, I bring that up just to say I'm proud of that review because I feel like everything that I said in that review was something that I meant. Yeah. And if you don't care, it's easy to crank out one of these kind of deep dive type analysis of a movie, right. uh, you know, CinemaSins type videos. But if you do care, then you have the, all this added obligation to check your facts and to <laughs> to, to think about what you're going to say. And so I think I'm facing that a little bit with um, with the upcoming uh, I Still Believe. Yeah. Because it is a fine movie if <laughs> for a christian movie yeah but it's not a great story and it but yet it's true and so that you you know you got to think about well the what you can't always think about what the counter argument is going to be because then you can yeah. make yourself go crazy but i i have certain thoughts about the movie and just making sure I get those thoughts in the correct wording so that yes. if people do come back and, and have their thoughts, I can feel like, well, I addressed and said what I needed to say about my opinion, because that's all it is, my opinion in the video. So we're good. Um, I think the worst thing is when someone is like, I can't believe you didn't make a reference to this. And I'm like, I made... <laughs> 4,000 references in this one video, and I yeah. missed that one. I'm sorry. I definitely get very anxious about being misinterpreted, usually, mm. I think. Yeah. And having things misunderstood or taken out of context or all this kind of stuff where, yeah, I think it can, like, neuter the writing process because you are just so concerned with with what people are going to say about certain things. And, yeah, definitely I think I rake through my stuff to make sure that I'm, like, communicating in the best way and in the most clear-cut way that I can. But, like, yeah, even with the videos that I've been like, there's no way this will ever be misinterpreted, someone misinterprets it. And then I go, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then you feel bad because you're like, well, it's my job to communicate properly. Right, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it feels like the burden is on you, and and but the person who can misinterpret has no burden whatsoever. Like, you can, right. you can say whatever you want and make me feel terrible because I have, you know not led you properly i suppose um yeah do your research <laughs> <laughs> and then or people I, who like are like i'm surprised you wouldn't research this or something <laughs> because it's something you maybe a conclusion you came to that they disagree with yeah and it's like like i'm surprised you didn't do your research and find out how covid is spread and it's like uh i'm just stating what the experts are saying <laughs> <laughs> what do you know that they don't know? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure you did your research so thoroughly. Yeah. It's definitely like, yeah, like with my videos, it's less about research, I guess, and more about like, I don't know. Well, Nowadays, my videos aren't like, about research either. That's what's yeah. so interesting. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to like, it's not a research paper. Right. It's me watching a movie and then saying that was dumb. Or that was cool. Like, it's just me saying things about a movie that I watched. Yeah. Well, and half the time, like, stuff that people remark on is, like, 
things that I found impressive that are not actually particularly impressive. Oh, see, <laughs> that's like, the stuff. That's the you're positive yeah. about something that we, the internet, have said you can't right. be positive. Or about. even like in my like Spider Verse video uh, mm-hmm. where I talk about into Spider Verse, I, I mentioned like. And the animators even went the extra mile and they recorded themselves doing the, you know, they recorded reference footage of themselves doing what the characters are doing, acting the scenes. And then Mm. they used that reference footage to animate. And I got all these comments from animators being like, um, actually, that's not the extra mile. All animators do that for every film. And I was like, oh, okay, like, (laughs) cool. Like, uh, now I feel that's funny. Guilty that I didn't include that? I don't know. Like, ah! (laughs) It's still the extra mile. Right. I mean, like, I don't know. That's a neat thing. Yeah. (laughs) I do think, like, it's interesting when uh, you, like, you were talking about how uh, people would be disappointed if CinemaSins did something positive. Um, I, I think it's interesting how many YouTubers sort of accept the character that they have become on YouTube and just Mm. roll with that. And it's a lot harder to truly like be yourself and do what you want to do because people aren't actually as consistent as their YouTube characters, you know, make them want to be like, I, you know, no joke. Like when I watched your breakthrough video, like I said, I was looking forward to you tearing the movie apart Mm -hmm. and like halfway through, I was like, oh, he's not going to do that. It's actually OK. And there was like a little bit of disappointment in me that it was like good. you <laughs> oh, know. Man. But then I was like glad that you actually stuck to your guns about it and and kind of defended it a little bit and mentioned the good things about it. Because I was like, he's actually being authentic and not just like being the brand that Say Goodnight Kevin is supposed to be, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't I mean, my. I do have, like, biases in the sense that my loyalty is with the viewer. Yeah. You know, and I I think that that's something that I've learned this past year with talking to, um, you know, some of these directors and stuff. In the end, like, I'm not making the review for them. I'm making the review for the people who give me money on Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, or on SGK Plus, of course. Ooh, Um, good plug. No, but, like, what... If I think about it in pure, like, you know, economic, an economic perspective, not like financially, but just what a, what is the service I'm providing? Yeah, it's me sharing my thoughts and opinions. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's a review. It's what the same thing you do when you go to Amazon and you you're about to buy something and you see, oh wait, it's got one and a half stars. I wonder why. And you scroll down and you read the reviews. That's what my reviews are. You know, maybe somebody's like, I got this and it was the wrong color. And it's like, well, you probably just clicked the wrong thing. You can kind of, you know, you can analyze those reviews yeah. and and kind of pick out like, oh, this one isn't a certified purchaser. So I think that they, you know, have just been paid to write this review. Like we we do our own analysis of Amazon reviews before we buy things. It's not we don't just take all the reviews at face value, but we yeah. also are. I at least am extremely grateful that those reviews exist, and right. Um, and so, in the same way, I really think that that's kind of what my videos are, and kind of realizing that, realizing that you know what what the point is is me giving my opinion. So maybe other people can watch, and it'll encourage them to think, or it'll it'll make them you know think about yeah, encourage them to think about 
stuff that happens in movies or say, all right, now that I see what Kevin has to say, especially because a lot a lot of the movies I talk about are about faith, I think that's something worth like thinking yeah. a little more about than just, yeah. oh, where I, it says a thing I agree with. So I think that... Um, what, what what was I? Where was I going with that? <laughs> what was the question? Uh, Who knows? Uh, you know. I, but I, I do think that that's important to do. And um, and so if I'm, oh, the, I feel like that if that's what I'm doing, then I do have an obligation to be honest yes. with my opinion. Because that if you're is not what, honest, then what else is right? What like, is what the is value? This? What am I yeah. trading here? Yeah. You know, what What am I bringing to the table? So that is why I I was like, well, if I'm going to talk about all the things that are bad about this movie, and, and I think I've also been inspired by the fact that a lot of people who watch my channel, or at least the people who interact with me, often are people who want to make movies in the future. Yeah. And so that's exciting and encouraging, and maybe, you know, some people who watch my videos will then go on to make, like, a Christian movie or some movie that shares... There is something that's important to them, and they'll think about what they're making and make something that's really good. And they'll yeah. say, you know what? I'm glad I don't – I was just going to make a Kendrick Brothers ripoff movie, but now that I saw <laughs> Sega Night Kevin, I don't want him coming after my movie, so I'm going to make a good one. Yeah. Well, and, see, that's what I would yeah. like I, – I think – like I would less describe your videos as like – I don't watch your videos to decide if I'm going to watch something usually mm. like I would watch it to gain a greater perspective on the Christian movie industry and on faith representation in film, I guess, you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah, I mean, I think all bad movie reviews certainly serve some purpose of like showing you <laughs> what not to do. And, uh, that is always helpful, you know? So I, I think it can be very encouraging as far as filmmaking and stuff. Um, but also, like, I think I enjoy the the journey, like, that you're on of, like, watching all these Christian movies and, like, wondering, like, okay, but will it be good? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I think it's, like, particularly with your channel, I find it very compelling to watch because you are mostly limited to this one sort of facet of film um, because that, like, that facet is allowed to be, like, like we're seeing all the the representations of that facet and how people have expressed it, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's also funny because like I, there's a lot of people who when they watch a Christian movie review or something or, or if they were to watch one of your videos like the video about Breakthrough or the video about like The Case for Christ or something like that where you are talking somewhat positively about a Christian movie, they might watch that particular Christian movie and be like, you know, but it was terrible compared to most movies. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because like for guys like you and me, we've seen so many Christian movies that it's like, no, but like you got to understand the context <laughs> here. <laughs> like, Yeah. And like, I, I used to yeah. be afraid of that because I'm like, well, I, I don't want to be the type of person who's like, well, it's pretty good for a Christian movie. <laughs> but I've also seen that people like I hate everything or um, uh. Uh, nitpicks or or those types of shows they're like man i've watched so many like you know like the search for the worst type stuff yeah yeah the, <laughs> they've seen so much bad they're like i think i've broken my brain here and <laughs> now when i see anything that's like halfway decent i'm like well at least it's not the incredible bulk 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Or something. So I, 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 there's a degree where there, there's, I always say that there's different kinds of bad, you know, like, cause if I'm talking about like the Irwin brothers movies, uh, this movie that I'm working on right now, I, I still believe if you're just going to compare that to a movie like, um, a Christopher Nolan film. Or like, yes. Right. Or I was thinking the other way, where it, like, uh, like, like, um, What's the one where she gets her dad to pick who she's going to marry that I reviewed? Um, <laughs> Princess Cut. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. It, you know, or or some of the really bad ones that if you're going to compare it, you're like, okay, well, this is much better. Even if you compare uh, one of, I still believe, to like a Kendrick Brothers movie. It's better in acting, in uh, in actual like story arc, in yeah. um, in dialogue. It's better in cinematography, you know, in in what they choose, where they choose to point the camera (laughs) and the camera that they choose to use to do it is better than than even the even um, the latest Kendrick Brothers movie. Well, it's just like like reviewing a student film like, you know, I I uh, when I released my first student film that was like the first real full length or not full length that it was like 20 minutes and it was the first short film that I'd ever made and released publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being very defensive of it. This was like four years ago uh, because I was like, you know, it would get certain criticisms and I'd be like, yeah, but like it's a student film. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I think it's pretty good for a student film, you know, Um and yeah, like even I could acknowledge, like, no, this is like not even close to the caliber yeah, of a feature, like, I'm not of a theatrical yet. thing. Like, yeah, yeah, but like, I think it's better than at least maybe a majority of student films. I don't yeah. know. Like, and even now looking back, like, I I think it's got a lot of problems and it's not, you know, flawless or anything. But I am proud of what I did with what I had. Uh, yeah, and I think that's how you got to look at like even Christian movies is like. <laughs> Like in the grand scheme of things, what did they do with what they had, and what were they trying to do? You know. Yep. Um, well, and and but when I with I still believe there's a ton of stuff that I I just don't think it's a very good movie. Yeah. And so and and especially since even though it's a true story, it feels like we already saw the movie with the movie A Walk to Remember, which is a better movie than this movie, and so then 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 it really is one of the it's this movie that's a christian movie that uh kind of what everybody's been wanting is a christian movie that kind of hits the caliber of an actual movie there's never right. a moment where you're watching one of the actors and it, you get that feeling of like oh yeah this is a christian movie that's that's right i forgot yeah. uh, that just kind of awkward acting that's in christian movies this doesn't have that it's good but yeah. it's not everything else. Like, it's not a compelling story. It's it's funny. Uh, I was going to bring this up earlier, and then I forgot. Uh, I saw a an article on Screen Rant a few days ago that was like, uh, here's 10 movies that you grew up with, or 10 classic movies that are actually problematic. Um, and it was really, like, it was mocked by most of the internet. And I really think... It was just someone looking for woke points, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, I, like so many I, of these I things. I think I saw that yeah. going around. Well, so many of these things, like, 
you know, if I was really conservative, I would look at that and be like, the the liberal snowflakes are, you know, trying to take down all these movies. But I look at it and I go like, that's just like, like most people aren't like that. <laughs> like even liberals, most people aren't like that extreme about things. It's one person looking for woke points. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, it was an article where they were like, you know, The Shining is problematic because it has domestic abuse in it and it's not denounced in the film. And uh, Jack Torrance is a wife beater and he beats his son. And the yeah, film I'm doesn't denounce sure it at all. The entire film is a <laughs> denunciation yeah. of him being possessed and going crazy. Yeah. And I was like, like, I don't think that's not. The strange thing is, when I was growing up, and even now, it was Christians who were always demanding that yes. the films that they watched have a sermon in it that that made the moral of the story very clear. And like you know, set everything the film was trying to say. Yeah, because what if a dumb person sees it? What if a dumb person sees it? And now it's like the 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 script has been flipped. I don't understand. You know. Yeah, I mean, and this has been happening for a few years. Um, No, I I thought about back in 2016. I guess maybe this has been happening every election cycle. But I, you know, I debated doing more, like leaning that way because I do think that there's a religious aspect to to that. And like you said, it's not everyone like i get a lot of support for my christian movie reviews from christians on my channel because and especially people in the christian movie industry because they're like man i'm glad somebody's saying this stuff out loud because everybody's been thinking this for years (laughs) and and but yet they're not going to put their whole career on the line to make youtube videos to criticize it yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, even even Alex Kendrick, I think, you know, admitted stuff about the cheesiness and and stuff on my podcast. So, like, I think that I think you're right. It isn't everyone, but it's yeah. the loudest ones. Right. And so and and also those things, it's I always joke about the the red cups, you know, the 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 Starbucks red cups. One year <laughs> Starbucks had red cups. They took Christmas out of you know <laughs> this is probably like six years ago now but yeah they that what to me that was like the final really big christian freak out yes before it kind of started to shift to where the the um the problematic stuff was coming from more the left but even then nobody was i never met a single person who actually was upset about the 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 red cups yeah but i saw a lot of people it was trending and it, right. the reason it was trending is because people were saying can you believe people are upset about this <laughs> yes yeah. and that's exactly like that that article like nobody actually is i mean maybe somebody's dumb enough to think the shining doesn't condemn uh <laughs> abuse <laughs> but nobody with power <laughs> is going to ban that movie from right. whatever other than companies who are like, oh, no, people are upset. You know, I think companies are going to realize pretty quickly, just like Disney stopped worrying about, you know, eventually stopped worrying about the the loud Christians complaining about gay day at uh, <laughs> Disney parks. Yeah. Um, something they didn't even like all of these have little like true like the true story behind it which is always very much different than what whoever's propagandizing it right i i I think early on in my life i i realized that this was something that 
this was just this was just a tendency of people where I had this lady send me a, an onion article about Harry Potter where <laughs> it was like and this is that's interesting because this is kind of topical was wokeness. she sending you a, the onion article unironically unironically like, she didn't get the satire yes saying <laughs> the article said something about how the the um the lady from the the author of Harry Potter ha- has admitted that the intention was to trick kids into being witches or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, something v- ridiculous. But she was sharing that as proof. And when confronted about it, uh, she said, well, even if it's not true, even if this article isn't true. It reflects It reflects yeah, yeah. the truth. And uh, if it gets people to not read Harry Potter because we know it's bad, then that's good. Yes, it's just like the God's Not Dead thing. Mm-hmm. The story, the emails forwarded about God. We yeah. know yeah. this type of thing happens. Yeah. And so... How do we know it happens? Because, because of we've seen these the articles, articles we've the seen. Stories. Yeah. And, I, and I find that like those types of stories, there's always more to it. And it usually lands somewhere in between. Like there is some truth to it that, you know, I don't think that Harry Potter is out trying to convert people to Christianity. But I also don't think it's out trying to convert people to sorcery. And <laughs> even if it is, and if you're a Christian, don't you think that uh, your magical sky being is more powerful than theirs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Might be, might be, uh, you might be okay. If I, he's not, then I don't. Then I don't why, why are you mad. worshiping him? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I don't know how we got on that, but I I, don't I, know. I do think that I, I think it's important to be vigilant when it comes to people freaking out about art. Yeah. You know, I I, I watched um, a friend of mine made a documentary about like the history of Christian films and stuff. And, and yes, I watched it. Yeah. And yeah. And he, there's a section in there where he talks. It's called uh, what is it called? Um, sanctuary, uh, sacred. Yeah, I can't real remember. real cinema. Maybe it's called yes. real. Anyway, look it up. It's by <laughs> Tyler Smith. Um, and there's a section in there where he talks about um, the last temptation of Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. how people were freaking out. It's amazing to see. He had clips of interviews of people yeah. in there, and they're like, "This is heresy," and it's the word you know. People who'd never even seen the film were saying all this <laughs> stuff, and it's wild to see people so upset and. Part of me thinks like, part of me, you know, obviously wants to defend the film because I think it's a a very good analysis of spiritual, um, you know, the the difficulty of the nuance of temptation temptation versus inspiration that we like to think that the world is so black and white. And if if God's, it's God telling me to make this movie. But sometimes that's actually, you know, if you believe this stuff. Maybe that you're just tempted to be a, a a film director and you've you've wasted all your money and like sometimes what you think is God inspiring you is actually maybe you know in the figurative sense Satan tempting you, right? Uh, and I think that movie, in a very like you know poking the bear sort of way, takes a an interesting analysis of that. That's the intention of the movie. But yeah. if you haven't seen it, you haven't you you aren't able to pick up on that there's so much to learn from that movie i'm not saying i believe it i don't think that but i don't think scorsese believes it either 
But then the other part of me, so part of me wants to defend the movie, but the other part of me wants to say like, this is what happens when you let people who aren't Christians make good Christian movies. Yes. Like, what do you expect? Why don't you make good ones that are interesting and a deep analysis and are exploring... And ask questions rather than providing yeah. answers. Yeah. <laughs> then, then maybe, just maybe, you it would it that'll overshadow. Like, what's your alternative? This yeah. is like the only good Jesus movie made in a decade. So, what do you want? You know, um, I, I and I think that there's good one. Like, I I often will recommend The Chosen because I think that that's yes. like one of the I few was going to get to that. Yeah. Good uh, biblical things about Jesus that works. So I'm glad that a someone who actually believes in this stuff is making a movie about this stuff. Um and but doing it with a very like honest critical eye. Yeah, I was uh I, I was recommending the shows to somebody today. I was recommending rec- recommending it to my friend Ben who's the editor for Mr. Sunday Movies. Um and he was saying he'd watch it and he recommended back to me a movie that he said he'd seen growing up that he thought was the best depiction of Jesus uh, on on film, which was a stop motion animated film called The Miracle Maker. Uh, oh, I, I had never heard of it. And oh no, I'm thinking of there's a there's a movie called The Miracle Maker about the the lady who teaches Helen Keller to. Uh, oh yes, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, um, but not, something different then. <laughs> yeah, it was. <clears throat> I, I looked it up. It's on YouTube full length. Um, and I just, yeah, I thought it was cool that I, it looked pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm always a sucker for anything in stop motion. Yeah. And especially I think I've been, have you seen the Bible project videos about, you know, they do uh, 2d animated YouTube videos about Bible like ideas and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have been like, I mean, ever since the Prince of Egypt, but especially in the past few years, seeing their videos and everything, I keep going like I think the way you have to depict the Bible is through animation. Like I think that's mm. the most compelling way to do it. And especially with the Prince of Egypt, I think it shows that, you know, musicals would be really great too and that you could, you know, illustrate these kind of deep concepts and emotions so much more powerfully through music. Mm. Um but yeah, like especially with animation. So I watched part well, of Well, I don't want to see thing. Jesus singing. <laughs> no. All right. I don't want I don't want him uh flitting about on stage no not like peter pan he'll be played by a woman like peter pan (laughs) that's not my jesus (laughs) but yeah i watched this stop motion thing and they uh for the parables and for like dreams they use 2d uh hand-drawn animation and i just thought it was so cool um and yeah like i love that that abstractness that you can capture with animation and the Bible project does it really well where they're able to like just the way that they use imagery uh, to transition between things, you know, they, they were able to use animation to like, you know, have the tree of life then morph into the cross on a hill, you know, Mm -hmm. when you see the parallels between the two trees metaphorically, you know, and I'm like, ah, like I wish that a movie could do this, you know? Yeah, no, they're, Um, they're really good. I mean, it's like, I think we talked about this, before we were recording or maybe we talked about <laughs> nitpicks and the yeah, lion yeah. king and 
and in his video, we talked. I think a good we were bit. recording. I don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. No, I, I was. I think. Uh, I think it was earlier on in this. We talked a little bit before we started recording. Uh, in times gone by. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's how time works, apparently. Yeah. And he ta- he just talks about the the ability to do that abstractness in yeah. the, you know especially I just can't wait to be king where the colors are changing but they're inspired by like African art and design and stuff and um and there is, you know even while Disney did that where he traveled to South America and and made um made uh three cabaneros and there's a documentary on like the history of animation on Disney yeah, yeah. Plus. And, um, yeah, I think, well, and you mentioned Into the Spider-Verse. I think that's what I love about that is, oh, yeah. is the the use of what I think is kind of a fourth dimension, which, which is, like, you, you're you using emotion through all the different, you know, I mean, this, all films do this because they have music and they have, but, like, that, that there's an abstract nature that, on paper, I think Into the Spider-Verse might confuse people but when you know when they're fighting especially at the end they're fighting through dimensions and stuff and and everything is very like it's colorful and but it's intentional there's something special about that type of emotion that you can portray that makes people feel a certain way um that you can't just come out and say it you yeah. know, you have to yeah. be able to feel it, and and it takes a true artist to be able to pull that off. Right, and uh, and I am not that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up the chosen too, though, because yeah. I think um, it's interesting how the thing that I felt like. So, for those who don't know, <laughs> I haven't addressed the audience throughout this entire podcast, but for those who don't know, the chosen is a self funded, uh, crowd funded. TV show uh, that you can watch on their app that it's basically a binge worthy show about the life of Jesus and Mm -hmm. they've done one season they're planning like seven I think Uh, are they (laughs) yeah apparently I know that but uh, but I do know that um, that they're working they're funding the next one and they've got such like a hardcore audience yeah and it's basically it's it's the life of Jesus told through the people who knew him rather than having Jesus as the main character. Yeah. And they do a, a lot of sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, historical fiction where they elaborate yeah. on different characters uh, and yeah. and oh, minor I've, things in the Bible to so, give them more depth. Yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, keep going. <laughs> I was just thinking about because uh, I was just talking to a friend last night about this, um, just how, and I've. I've talked the chosen to death because I've interviewed Dallas. I think he's the only one I've had twice on my podcast. Oh yeah, but there the second one is great because we get to talk about the chosen and and he talks a good bit about how he because he writes it as well. The director uh, is the writer and the way he kind of I, I I'm a huge sucker for uh, character development. I really that's what makes a movie is is whether it's whether it has characters that are compelling and and make sense um yeah. so often in bad movies especially bad christian movies characters feel like their life begins the moment the scene starts right. and yeah. their life ends the moment the scene ends and they don't exist outside of that and so what that's what i mean i think by character development is just these are characters that are you know that they have existence beyond what Yes, you're yeah. you're um you're seeing, and um I mean not beyond what you're seeing, but beyond just 
that scene and and you know this is what world building is all about and um but the chosen what he's done is kind of taken a book the bible which is not intended to be a storybook and extrapolated the actions of these people based on what's recorded and determined what what would what type of person would do that what yeah. type of person, what personality type would be compelled to act that way? And obviously it's one man's interpretation of it. And he never claims that, well, this is, I, I God spoke to me and told me this is the way <laughs> Thank goodness. this person. Yeah. And yeah. I, I appreciate that. But it's a, that, that's how you tell stories is yeah. you take, you imagine and you follow a thread of what could have happened or what might have happened or what um what a person a character that you have developed would do yeah. in this particular situation and so i i love that that much thought has been put into something that is a christian thing <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. i mean and i think that passion of the christ probably is something that had a yeah. lot of thought i think there's some swings and misses in that movie but there is still like effort and thought put there into are it. swings <laughs> <laughs> at least yes yeah. Sw- yeah hammers swinging hammers i really love whips <laughs> into nails on a cross mm-hmm. <laughs> you know those were uh those were mel gibson's hands oh really yeah he used his own hands i am shocked that i've never heard that before. yeah i know isn't that <laughs> it i think like i've heard onion it article a million times yeah yeah i mean it's not true but this type of thing does happen right People do get their hands nailed to crosses all the time. <laughs> Still, I I love one of the things I love about the show is that uh, it employs just like like again, this is a really funny thing to say. Like almost anything that you or I would say about Christian movies is like things that just any other movie you would take for granted. But you're like, it does like this thing that like a good thing should do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it has character development, but like I love that. Uh, for one thing, it determines the settings really well, and it defines the settings really mm-hmm. well. They Most of season one is set almost entirely in the city of Capernaum, and they just really extrapolate on that location and make sure that you know it. Um, as well as, like, I, I just keep... The thing that I can never get out of my mind is the fact that as you develop these characters as characters, rather than just names, like... How much more compelling are some of the more some of the later emotional beats going to be when you know these characters? Yeah, you know, like if if you take two seasons to develop Judas, like how much more compelling is it going to be when he betrays Jesus? Yeah, you know, rather than just having oh he was the bad egg from the start and you know he's in the movie for about ten minutes and then he betrays Jesus, you know. Yeah. Um, but as well as like yeah, like the locations are set up really well. The Old Testament callbacks are really cool. The the way that they show kind of the grand narrative of things, I think. Um, and even like like the music is great. It feels film caliber, mm-hmm. and the sound design, like the foley and like the atmosphere of each setting, is really well done. Like it feels like a cinematic movie. Um, the thing that I keep wondering is like, like I'm still undecided on whether I think it would play well with people who aren't Christian. Um, yeah, because I do think there is a level of like self-awareness to it, uh, which I really appreciated Mm -hmm. as as a Christian, 
because so many Christian movies are not self-aware at all. You know, they right. they take themselves really seriously. But this, I felt like, first of all, it has a sense of humor, which was what which was like one of the best things about it. Yeah. But the including other thing, Jesus having, having including Jesus, yeah, uh, being an actual person and not the <laughs> like right. those old videos. I'm Jesus. <laughs> Hello. Well, but the other thing I noticed was like. The thing that it reminded me of the most was like a Marvel movie or was like like comic books because it has that same sense of like there's even uh, I, I remember specifically the scene where Nicodemus comes into the prison cell and we realize that the dude that he's talking to is John the Baptist mm-hmm. Uh and it almost felt like a Marvel post-credit scene, like yeah. you're like revealing the new character. <laughs> I'm putting a uh, team together. Here's I'm Jesus. Spi- yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Come and follow yeah, like, me. No, totally. The whole season feels like Jesus is assembling the Avengers, yeah. and then disciples assemble. Right. I I also felt like you know there's the scene where he uh, the the guy who's selling the wine at the wedding turns out to be doubting Thomas, and I loved the way that they portrayed him, and. But it was also interesting because the fact that he is Thomas is almost like a reveal. Like Jesus says his name and mm-hmm. then you go, oh, he's Thomas Thomas. Yeah. You know, almost like like the prequels with right. like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, because yeah. of yeah. Star Wars. And so I I loved that sense of self-awareness where it, it didn't treat the audience like they were dumb. But I also wonder if like for people who are unfamiliar with the story of Jesus, if those things would be odd, you know? Yeah. But who doesn't know about Jesus? <laughs> yeah. I think we, we, uh, <laughs> tend no, to assume... but I get what you're saying. Like b- right. people who, f- people who feel like a, an endearing, at, uh, feeling towards Jesus. Right. And his story, um, might feel, you know, we'll feel a, a like, oh, 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 yeah, my favorite character is Daddy Thomas. You know, <laughs> we all know Where, yours is. Yes. Uh, yeah. But like the when it's not when you don't have that, then it's like, oh, OK, yeah. Uh, doubting. So this is another character like it. it uh, Almost the reverence. And that's what Jesus stories often suffer from is. Yeah. They're too reverent to the source material right. that they they can't step outside that and say, yeah, but like what is it about this story that outside of your religion, outside of your faith that made this, this story so important throughout all of culture for the last 2000 years? Yeah. There's something there. There's something strong. And I think that's what I like about it is that about the chosen is that there is that, but I could see that that is an interesting question. Well, and I, I think, I did like I, – I don't think I would say that The Chosen has a sense of reverence. I, I mean it does, but it's not like a sense of like, oh, so so much gravity to this. You know, mm-hmm. I went back and watched the Son of God uh, – some of the clips from the Son of God movie, which was just like the – it's just the compilation of yeah. all the Jesus scenes from the Bible say, TV but series. But it was already clips. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But like – Obviously, it's disadvantaged because, for one thing, you know, it's it's basically a highlight reel of Jesus's life. They're yeah. trying to condense it into an hour and a half. Uh, but also, I went back and watched it, and I watched some of the same scenes, like, that they depicted in The Chosen. And I was like, man, this is so much better in the show, partly because of the context that we're given for the characters. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I watched the scene where Jesus, you know, 
he uh, he he conjures the 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 net of fish in the water in the Son of God movie, and it's like choir music is playing mm-hmm. and like it's like really dramatic and it's just like a guy pulling a net up out of the boat, right? And it's like this isn't that like okay I get it he made fish appear, but in that in that movie it takes itself so seriously that you go man was it even really that big of a deal or was it just kind of a cool thing. But then in The Chosen Show, because you have so much context for the characters and, you know, you like Jesus so much, it actually makes you go, wow, that was amazing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was cool. Like it it almost providing context for these things makes you experience the emotions that they were supposed to make you experience. You know, yeah. like and I loved that. I mean, I even I said to a lot of friends as I was watching it, like. You see all these characters' lives before they meet Jesus in the show. Mm-hmm. And he's like this very he's – he's almost just like making cameos throughout the first few episodes. And it makes you – like seeing the brokenness of their lives and then seeing how cool this dude is, you go, oh, I can't wait for them to meet Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like, like Simon yeah. Peter is like a Jack Sparrow type guy. Right, right. You know, he's he's fast and loose and, and kind of tricking people and – yeah, well, and I do think that um, there is a level, you know, I, I always go back and forth because people are like, they're like, you can't be too nitpicky. You just got to enjoy a thing and stuff. And and I I can see that. But, you know, so I look at it and, and to me, when like Jesus starts doing like miracles, I'm like, uh, it, it hits me weird because mm-hmm. it's such a grounded show. Yeah. That, but. That is, I mean, what did you expect, Kevin? Uh, so, but Kevin, but Kevin, it's Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I at that point, I do feel like, oh, maybe I'm being too like cynical because I, I'm not. I shouldn't sit here and say like, if you're going to do the story of Jesus, I don't want him to do miracles because. <laughs> That's part of the story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who are you, Thomas Jefferson? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I don't want it to not. It just because it is. I'm like, oh, here's what really would have happened. And then it's like Jesus. When, when, I think in that first episode, I think I bring that up just because in that first episode when it ends and Mary is like, and it's just this oh, oh, sort of music. And he's like, <laughs> she's like, you're you're. I don't think she even says anything, but it's just it's a super duper reverent moment. Yeah. And he calls I think he calls her Mary and um and she's like, How did you know? How did you know, man? Um I think in that same way, it is it is something that I do tend to think like, well, what would somebody who does didn't grow up with this, what would somebody who doesn't believe this, what would they think of this? Right. Um, you know, I do take that perspective on a lot of stuff because I do think that not, you know, not like everybody needs to sign a thing that says God's dead before they, they make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, I read articles that said that people had to do that every time yeah. they made a movie in Hollywood. But I do think that there's a, uh, yeah, we know it. I mean, we, I think those articles are fake, but we do know it happens. <laughs> we know it happens. Yeah. But there is a level to where you, you you got to see other people's perspective. Right. You got to see kind of like that. 
uh, that's just to kind of understand, like, like we said with Ryan Johnson, I, I'm sure he's not a Trump supporter, but <laughs> he, I think he pretty fairly represented like Trump supporter arguments in that movie. Yeah, um, they like I've heard those caricatures. Ex- yeah, they weren't yeah, like they it felt like an argument that like my die. grandparents would be having. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it was definitely like, well, okay, they believe that we need to secure the borders and we need to secure the economy. And so this would be a way to do it. And I don't think that obviously I, I think that having that type of self-awareness is important when making a film. Yeah. Uh it doesn't mean don't have your beliefs. Obviously, Ryan Johnson has his beliefs within that film. But it you're not going to watch that and feel like offended, like, well, I wasn't represented properly. Some yeah. people might. But I, I feel like, okay, well, they at least he at least took the time to understand these two different sides of an argument in yeah. order to have, like, realistic characters, like right. compelling characters, not caricatures of, um, you know, like, like even in... I just, I remember as a kid... In the Transformers movie where they, <laughs> one of them where he goes in and it's supposed to be President Bush. And he's like, <laughs> well, get him on it then. Or some, some, and I was like, that's why. What, that was unnecessary, I think. <laughs> it's a little weird. He's wearing like, he's like wearing these red socks. All yeah. you see are his socks or something. Or even the Sam Rockwell uh, portrayal of President Bush in, in the Vice movie from a few years ago. Where he, yeah. literally in every trailer, he was like. Well, hot dog. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's funny that you're doing an SNL sketch, but we know what George W. Bush was like. Like we've, right. we know what his real he really was like. So in that well, way, it also feels like if you if you really believe that George Bush is a bad person, then just depicting him as he was mm-hmm. should be enough. Right. Know? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think that. Um, I, yeah. So I. I don't know. I go back and forth. I think that The Chosen is well done. I think if you want to, like, watch something, even if you don't believe in it, um, I think if you want to watch something that is a well-made series about this significant historical figure, then uh, then it's definitely something to, like, watch. But I would be interested to know... I would be, too. Yeah. What, what somebody who isn't a Christian thinks of it, because I, I'm sure there's unintentional inside baseball moments. Right. Um, you know, like that, oh, th- this is the part where this happens. Yeah. Um, I-, I can't wait. You know, it's kind of like when um, there were those Batman, uh, Batman parodies on YouTube, um, <laughs> you know, where he's like, hey, I'm Batman. Like, basically those. Do you remember those? I do not. Well, they're pretty funny. It's, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy from Crashing, um, Pete Holmes, mm. uh, made them way back in the day uh, when I was when I was a a young warthog, and <laughs> it they're so funny. But he does a Riddler in that, and it's basically it's interesting because it's like Christopher Nolan, like like he does a good job at portraying what Christopher no- like Christopher Nolan's universe would portray Riddler as. Yeah. And and so it, I don't know. It's just kind of like there is that level where you're like, I wonder what this artist's interpretation of Simon Peter is going to be like, or that you know, like th- yeah. I think that's what the Chosen does. Is it kind of like because it has these interpretations of these characters, you are looking forward to what 
his interpretation of yeah yeah this would be and i wonder if somebody who doesn't know those characters or or who you know well yeah it makes me yeah. wonder if uh i think it does it really well like nine out of ten times but it makes me wonder if some of the more self-aware moments would play like the scene where Chewie gets a medal at the end of rise of skywalker uh-huh. right yeah where it's like totally just a reference for people who get it and has nothing to do with the you know it doesn't make sense in the context of the story you know? yes um i don't think the show does that very much but it, it yeah but it i wonder, wonder i would wonder about unintentional moments where that happens yeah because I think that happens a lot in Christian movies, like very on the nose, that type of thing happens. But Dallas is a Christian and he is like, even things I've brought up to him, he's like, you know, like little things. I'm not, I'm not disparaging him, but uh, (laughs) because I also (laughs) am a Christian, but like, I'm, I think that there's certain things where if I'm like, well, this is a little weird. Right. And he's like, yeah, I think it's great. You know, like that he's not like a w- self-aware about certain things in the Christian church that yeah. people could look at and think are strange. Right. I don't know. Um, I would be interested in that. You know, you mentioned Ben from Mr. Sunday Movies and you yeah. also we've talked about like positive being positive. He did <laughs> such a great video about the Moneyball video. Well, both the Moneyball one, but I was thinking about the Fantastic Four one. Ah, yes, is yeah. such a great analysis of this type of thing of looking at something you don't agree with and finding something in it that has value and makes yes. sense. Yeah, um, which is what I always hope people do with my videos. You know, I <laughs> yeah. hope that people say, "Well, you might disagree, but there's something." in here i i appreciate i think it's funny even if i disagree with it yeah because i have a lot of like wacky views so like most people who watch my videos disagree with me about something right and so like there's gonna i hope that most people can kind of have that like well sometimes he he gets on his economic soapbox and i totally disagree (laughs) with that but i i appreciate what he has to say or i i have people who will comment and say i'm an atheist but i love your show Right. And they feel compelled to say that, I think, because I'm I don't hide the ball when it comes to my faith. But, yeah. um, you know, they I think that it's kind of a testament to the fact that it's not, you know, a lot of Christians want to say, like, they want to play this victim card of it's because my movie is a Christian movie that people don't like it. <laughs> and in reality, though, I think that there's a level to where people are willing to listen to and enjoy somebody who's making content that yeah, has things they disagree good. with. Yeah. Uh, if it's good. If, I, if I it's think, amazing, like my videos. Yes, of course. <laughs> I but think particularly I think that, in, the, in the Christian yeah. world, like with theology and stuff, I, I, I think me personally, I have had to deal with that more maybe christians have to deal with that more or maybe i'm just playing the victim card but like i think now i have so many different stances about different things in the church some of which skew very conventional you know Mm -hmm. sort of things that i was raised with and some of which skew very like you know most christians don't believe that Mm -hmm. um and yet like so i've been reading a a book recently that's called uh whatever it's called (laughs) it's it's like an apologetics book about like okay. 10 hard questions for Christianity to answer. And like 
seven of those 10 questions, I agree with their answer. Three of the other 10, I'm like, no, I I really don't. That's a position that I cannot take. But like, I still found it to be a worthwhile. Well, that's, I always recommend mere Christianity, but there are some chapters that I'm like, no, nah, (laughs) I'm not on board with that. You're a smart man, C.S. Lewis, but I disagree with you on this. Yeah. But that's how you should approach things. You should be able to kind of take that sort of critic like each i have there are people who i listen to uh, podcasts um uh, i listen to the weekly planet all the time Me but too. i yeah. i know i actually think like i i bet if we got into a political conversation we would disagree on everything probably yeah <laughs> but i it doesn't it doesn't matter to me because i think that they're uh i and I, if we got into a discussion about certain movies i think we would disagree on stuff but i think that that's I, each person, like each podcast I listen to, each book that I read, I can kind of point out the things. Well, these are things that I disagree with, but I'm, I want to hear those things because it, it compels me to think about why it is that I think that way. Yeah. Because you know what? Sometimes you think things and then you realize that you just were told that and then you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> I, th- you know, I, I think it was like PewDiePie had, it was told as a kid that, um, he said the way he said it was very funny, but he said something about how his mom told him like mashed potatoes were fried chicken. And so he was way too old when he he realized that mashed potatoes weren't fried chicken because <laughs> he wouldn't eat mashed potatoes, but he would eat fried chicken. And wow. so uh, he's like, no, that's not mashed potatoes. That's fried. Oh, <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> and yeah. and so sometimes we have those beliefs that we just grew up thinking a thing and. And right. we got to be challenged. But I think that that's what's interesting about, like, people who want things to be canceled or are like, this is a thing I don't agree with. So it, we got to purify our culture. Yeah. That I think kind of what you were saying, um, I think also I'm so used to political beliefs that I don't agree with being in movies <laughs> that it doesn't phase me really. Like, it's yeah. kind of par for the course. Uh-huh. That like if you watch the I know people were freaking out about um about every year when there's a, a Grammys or, or or Oscars or whatever, people freak out about this speech. Can you believe they said this thing about animal rights and stuff? And it's like, yes, every year they I do can that. believe it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think some people they aren't used to that or they they have grown up a little naive and so then they um when they realize, wait a minute, there's people who disagree with me. Right. Who are making content. Well, and I, I do think like there's a with some of these things, it does feel like, you know, certain people are canceled, quote unquote, uh, for having a wrong opinion about the thing. And sometimes it's understandable because it's like you're in a hugely powerful position uh, of influence and spreading that belief maybe isn't so cool. And that's why people get mad. But then, like, you'll see someone who's literally just a person, like, <laughs> yeah, on the internet or whatever. And it's yeah. like, you should be canceled because you believe this one thing. And it's not even, like, a thing that's, like, particularly, you know. Like, I just saw, um, who was it? And I, you know, I could, I might not have the whole story on this. So, you know, but I saw the mom from the Disney Channel show Good Luck Charlie uh, uh-huh. is on Twitter and she was being canceled today because oh. she responded to a CNN tweet basically saying, uh, hey, you know, COVID hasn't spiked since these riots. So 
how about we just say it's over? <laughs> yeah. And people were like, you're a, you know, you're a monster. You're denying facts. You want old facts. people to die. Let's, let's pretend that she was never in the show. Let's, you know, erase her from the show yeah. and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, she's probably a pretty nice lady, you know, and maybe she's not. <laughs> probably she's not. Who knows? But like, it's very strange to me that, that one comment about one thing that seemingly is just kind of well-intentioned, you know, yeah. like it, it's, it's one thing when someone says something that's like, obviously, you know, you, you don't, you know, if she'd said, Hey, why don't we just reopen and let all the old people die? Like, that's one thing. Yes. I'm not going to write that off as like, Oh, that's one belief that they have and everything else is cool. But like, maybe you're just kind of ignorant about one thing and everything else, you know, you're whatever. I, I think it's like, yeah, it just feels like bad faith when you you assume the worst of someone, you assume someone's intentions, and you assume that they must be, you know, sinister behind it or something. Oh, when yeah. They might just be well-intentioned and ignorant. I think that's most people in the world. <laughs> yes. Um, there's, yeah. what is it, like Occam's Razor or, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. attribute, attribute uh, ignorance before malice or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it I and and I think that there is um you know, obviously some things need to be called out, but I think it's ideas. Like bad ideas should be called out. Uh yeah. I think people are completely redeemable and especially attributing a motivation that you don't like like saying you don't like this thing instead of saying, Okay, you we all want the same thing, but we have different perspectives on the solution. Yeah. Um, you know, wh- how we can get there. I think that you know, that comes up in, in the, it, it, well, I, pro- that's probably why I talk about economics so much is because economics is one of those nuanced, uh, kind of like a lot of different ideas and, and it's hard to know which things have caused what things. Um, and so it's important to have discussions and discussions and peer review articles and, and open mindedness to different things in the economy. Um, yeah. because, there's too many variables that, and you can't test all of them. Um, so some, one thing may have happened and you could, you can say, oh, this is, it's probably because of this, but so, but the reality is not like everybody wants everyone to have access to, you know, wealth and healthcare and like everybody wants everybody to, to be wealthy and healthy. We all want that, but there's lots of different beliefs on how that can be accomplished and so people take that and they're like you want people to die nobody (laughs) wants people to die and so when we some people do but sure they're very few in number (laughs) but i would they're so few that i would not assume that you're you have met one (laughs) right yeah Yeah. Yeah. you know and and i think some people can will be reactionarily cruel you know, like, well, you've pushed me to a place where I'm like, wow, they just let them all die then. You know, but I, <laughs> I think if, if you run into somebody, that's probably where they're at, which means that they're probably very redeemable if you have one conversation with them yeah, where they're not on the defensive. Um, but I, I don't I think that there are a lot of um, this happens in this is I, this probably happens a lot in the, the church. Um, and it happens in in culture where you you have this belief that you're correct and anybody else, 
you know, I, I put that clip at the beginning of uh, of my God's Not Dead two review about uh, excre- extremism, and you know, being then you have an enemy, and then you can say all the evil in the world is in this group of people, and yeah. um, and all the good is in me, and all we have to do is get rid of the others. And then we'll be fine. And that can be an ideology. It can be a race. It can be a um, a system or whatever. Yeah. But I think that we'll we'll be able to figure more things out if we recognize that we're you know I think a lot of people want the same things, or at least if we don't jump to thinking somebody has evil intentions, but perhaps their perspective is uh, on how to get where they need to be is different and might just be straight up wrong but yeah. they they don't they're they're either ill-informed or i think with what that lady said i mean I, I i don't know that that's correct uh but i do understand that you have sweden that has that never shut down and they they more kind of had herd immunity and didn't have the deaths and stuff so there's it's not like there isn't she doesn't need to be canceled there isn't it's not like right. there isn't facts or, well, yeah, or, or it is stuff funny. to kind of say, all right, well, yeah, it's it's a nuanced issue, and and it isn't that there are necessarily going to be a million deaths, yeah. but it may be that hospitals get overran, which was always the uh, the concern. Was that? Well, I I think it is funny with COVID and everything because, um, I mean, I definitely think that. People in positions of power have been making absolutely stupid decisions throughout much of this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, throughout at the same much time, of this, meaning life. Meaning life, yes. <laughs> uh, but it's also a thing where, like, the, f- the the data and the science behind this, all the, everything that's going on, is so experimental. Like, nobody knows what's going on. Scientists know more than we do, but mm-hmm. they're still trying to figure it out. And I definitely think that, like, three years from now, there's going to be a totally different narrative of, like, what was happening in the world <laughs> than what we're oh, being yeah. told right now. Well, you know, we're in gonna, terms of we're going to say it, that how it, it was, was an overreaction. You know. Right. Uh, because it – while it's a, uh, a understandable reaction based on the data that we had at the time, I think we're going to say, well, that was a little bit of an overreaction to shut down the economy entirely for as long as we did. But maybe yet, I'm wrong. Maybe I'll maybe be canceled for yeah, thinking that. They're, they're, exactly. <laughs> maybe and, maybe we just don't realize because it is supposed to be two weeks or whatever before symptoms. Maybe symptoms right. this weekend will suddenly show up and and we'll realize, oh, no, shut it all down again. Well, and see, I think it's funny because um, like because the facts and the science and the data are shifting so quickly, the – acceptable political positions are shifting quickly too. like the things that you can say on Twitter and not be canceled. So like something that you could have said based on the data a month ago. Yeah. Now you might be canceled for saying it's just really funny because in no other setting has has like the acceptable thing within the culture shifted so quickly with the headlines every morning. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, and, And the the. I think because, I mean, the media does have, like, all right, now we're going to talk about this. And then everybody's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's chicken and egg, art imitating life, life imitating art sort of stuff. But, like, <laughs> it is true that it's like, you know, you had – you know how Facebook will remind you of the dumb things you said? Uh, no, of course. You know? Well, 
I'll sometimes it'll say things that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And for some reason lately, it's been showing me things that I said during the lead up to the election in 2016. <laughs> and uh, and there was one. It was like, wow, everybody was an expert on gorillas and then rape and then uh, I don't know net neutrality or something. <laughs> like <laughs> one week it was this, and it's true. I remember it's Harambe and then some other thing and then uh, net neutrality, but. Everyone was an expert. Everybody knew what they were talking about and, and were sharing like all this, uh, f- all these facts and, and taking their side on the issue. Like, why yeah. would Harambe even be a political issue? But it <laughs> and was. And now, if you ask me about net neutrality, I can't tell you anything about it. Nobody knows. <laughs> and uh, I do. It's oh, of course. <laughs> no, but like. <laughs> I think because, but you see that it's like, all right, now it's not, I don't believe the Illuminati is like, we're now everybody's going to be upset about this thing this week. But we do have this 24 hour, now everybody's mad about this, and now everybody's an expert on this, and now, you know, and everybody's got to pick their side. And maybe, I, I don't like, like to be, I'd love to just be able to agree with, like have a side, but since I tend to think like it's probably somewhere in between these two Um, it's exhausting isn't it yeah (laughs) because everyone is like so confident yeah um i I, you know it that's kind of relates to like religion and stuff too where i'll be at church and i'm like man everybody's so confident yet i you know i had that but i had those conversations with dallas jenkins on my podcast just kind of about you know i remember yeah i'm not saying i don't believe in god but i do I very much understand the agnostic perspective and I've been there and I, I, I could never judge somebody on not believing in God because it's an, you're asking somebody to believe in something that is invisible. Right. Ultimately. And so the, but I'm not, I'm not like a fence rider or anything. I do have some very extreme beliefs, but everyone's motivations for things are so far from my motivation, you know? Yeah. Like, I would love to tear down the system, but I'm not going to go join Antifa because I don't if agree it exists, with them. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so, like, my motivation is more based just kind of on, well, probably we don't want to give a ton of power to anyone who can control our lives. But I don't, I also don't think Alex Jones is correct on everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. I think that there's probably a reasonable uh, middle ground that we should probably be careful about giving one person all the power over our life. I, th- I think that's pretty reasonable, but s- there are people who are like, how dare you think that way? And But it's not me trying to find like a middle ground because I yeah. do – I'm not in the middle either. Well, exactly. I think it is, especially with the internet, it's difficult because like a lot of the things that people are angry about, I'm like, yeah, I'm angry about that too, and I agree with you. But then I can't – side with the motivation mm-hmm. as much so like i'll see a person and i'll be they'll express a very extreme opinion and i go yeah i agree with that but then their motivation for thinking that or their behavior in expressing that opinion mm. i go their tactics oh. right like i go like like i can't i can't retweet this basically yeah 
even though I agree with this, I can't retweet it because I don't like your motivation and I don't like how you're presenting your, uh, you know, your side. And it's exhausting. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I wish I could just side with this, but I can't, you know. Yeah. Um, or I wish by me sharing this thing, this one thing I agree with about this person yeah. isn't going to tie me to that person forever. Right. For the rest of my life. Like, yeah, I but that's just being a critical thinker. You yeah. know, I'm not saying that I'm a smart person, but I, I do think that it's important to just think more than just joining a team. Like, I don't like joining clubs. That's probably my struggle with, like, church. Uh, is Sometimes yeah. I'm like, well, I don't want to just join something. And so, you know, I, I, I once got to tour a Mason Lodge, and I was like, this is weird. I guess this is, like, what people did before the internet and being able to have like but i i could never join a club unless it's sam's club obviously but that's that's different where you're loyal to that club no matter what yes i am i pledge my allegiance to sam's club unless costco has better deals right but that's the thing like i so i i there there is such a team teamism mentality where like you're saying they're saying this thing but it's only because they want their team to win yeah it's like you don't have any sort of guiding principle that's making you feel this way because when someone on a different team does the exact same thing you don't have a problem (laughs) with it yeah your your principle isn't well i don't you know whatever whatever it is uh that's that is what's exhausting because that was that was you'll be put in a category and on a team as soon as you say your opinion about something on a basic level i never understood even when i was a kid i was like why are people loyal to sports teams like yeah because i was like the people on the team change every year and sometimes they're not as good and other times and they they're are not good. even from there there and sometimes it's not like your brother is playing so on why the team. is this like your team like what 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 principle causes you to be loyal to this football team? Right. Know? And See, this is the this is the problem. The difference between like the way you're thinking, the way I think is we think, well, the best team is the one that gets the most points and wins <laughs> the championship. You can yeah. factually show that they are the best team. So that's the team that you can root for because they're the ones who are the best? They proved it. Well, either through, that or like through stats. Or I'll root for the worst team. You know, like either one. But at least it would be based on data, right? Right. Like I've never been a sports person like, ever. I'm gonna root. But for like, the if underdog. I was gonna root for someone, yeah, it would either be the team that is objectively the best and gets the most points, or the team that doesn't because I want them to be better. Right. Yeah. But why would I root for anyone in the middle for any other reason than I like the color of their jersey? Yeah. Like, because I, it took, for a long time, I didn't really understand sports at all. Uh, like, I understood playing it for the athletic aspect. Like, okay, right. this gets you yeah. in shape. But I didn't really understand, not, not that I, I understand that they, that sports happen. And I understand the rules. I, I, <laughs> I, I can tell you most of the rules of football, but um, not most of the rules. But I just, I know what's happening in a game. And, uh, but then, you know, I kind of started to understand from kind of a... Um, like a uh, not again, not a capitalist perspective as in like the economy, but from a competition perspective that. All right. Yeah. One guy says, hey, I can throw this ball. And the other guy's like, I bet I could throw it further. And they 
work really hard to get really good at throwing the ball that they're so good that people are like, I want to see how far that guy could throw the ball. And they right. pay it's to like get a to superhero see this off. amazing person do this thing that if he if he didn't have the other guy there, he never would have gotten that good at throwing the ball. So, yeah. okay, now I get from <laughs> my brain is able to comprehend the, all right, competition makes you strive for more and better uh, because otherwise you're just like oh i threw that rock great now that i do think it is like a storytelling thing too where i mean i still don't care about sports at all but i think the reason that some people care about it (laughs) is that there's a drama to it it's like this team lost five years in a row will they make a comeback this year you know there's a dramatic question at least and and i guess in the same way that maybe i you know I don't know, like I've seen DC's track records with their movies. And so with every DC movie that comes out, I go, will it be good? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I guess it's the same thing with a sports team where it's like, this is my team and they have, you know, done poorly these past few years. And I hope that they will redeem themselves this year or something like that. Uh, Or like you said, I mean, I think it, it also has maybe an element of like, like, you know, Superman versus the Hulk, who mm-hmm. would win, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah. I still and, think, and that, like, that, I wonder how subconsciously people, these things... Like football players, there's yeah. no reason for them to be that fit without right. this competition happening. Yeah. So I think that that's pretty cool that, like, otherwise, you know, or you, like, like pole vaulting, the records get broken. So it's like nobody in history of this sport has ever been able to accomplish this thing. And people thought they'd reached the pinnacle, but now yeah, like yeah. they, they beat that record. That's, that's incredible because people thought that that could never happen or something. You know, yeah. it's this kind of progress of a, a game. Well, uh, and see, that's where, yeah, I think I appreciate the game. More than I probably appreciate the team loyalty aspect. Yes, of it, you know? right. Because I'm like, those are the, that's what I turn to. And so, <laughs> and I think part of it is that I didn't grow up, like my family was a fan of, of Michigan teams, but then they moved to South Carolina. And so I never like had a hometown type, like love for a team uh, because I didn't live in the same place all my life. So I could see if you like your family went to a school or you like live in that town yeah. Um, you know, and there's when when the the Carolina Panthers were in the Super Bowl, there was a, a little bit of pride there. I'm like, oh, cool. That's you know, I, I wasn't living in South Carolina. So I was able to say, hey, the team from where I'm from is playing right. in this national yeah. event. But I don't follow sports. But I you know, people could say the same thing, like you said, about movies and stuff like, well, I don't get it because it's, you know, at least sports. It's a real thing happening. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it's funny when you see these like. The I, sometimes I'll get my hair cut at sports clips or sp- <laughs> whatever it's called, and they play like uh, uh, ESPN, like on all the TVs. Sports clips is the weirdest, most gimmicky <laughs> place to get your hair cut because it's like, hey, you want the, the home run special? It's like all these <laughs> weird, like it's just like when you're a kid and you get your hair cut at a place that like you sit in a little car, right? And they cut your hair. Like, <laughs> like, you want, do you want the uh, the touchdown uh, hair uh, shampoo. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it's like the Grand Slam special at Denny's. Uh, yeah. But they, but they, they'll play these like very like you know reverent 
type uh, vignettes about like last year this guy scored so many touchdowns and isn't it amazing he was the son of a poor uh, coal miner and now he's <laughs> playing for the Broncos and like these weird kind of little story things <laughs> and they, I don't know I, it's like or they'll play like in the 70s and they'll, like this you can watch old games yeah um and <laughs> it's weird it's like a rerun uh but I, you know they're like you know the Broncos haven't played like this since this famous player from the 70s was playing and this is how much I know is that <laughs> I don't know a single name well, that's that's where I think like I, I like I tend to be such a story person and I uh-huh. love story and I love drama and I love dramatic questions and characters and everything. But then I think maybe my left brain like analytical side kicks in with some of this mm-hmm. stuff because like with sports I go so the best team should win, right? <laughs> and then but even like with you know or with, the one uh, that wins is the best team, correct? Right. My my family watches America's Got Talent all the time. Uh-huh. And I I really don't like that show most of the time because I appreciate the performances and I like them a lot and many of the people are amazing and talented and uh you know there's there's incredible dance troops and people doing amazing magic acts and all kinds of stuff. Well, but, you don't like it cuz you hate America? Oh yeah, of course. Well, yeah. half the time it's not even Americans on the show. But, but the the what hilarious is it, Canadians? thing Canadians probably Ew. the hilarious thing <laughs> is that like every other performance is a young girl who's like 12 years old and she's like I sing and my tragic backstory is that my dad died or my tragic backstory yeah. is that I'm blind or my tragic backstory is that you know my sister I'm is ugly. has cancer I'm ugly I like was bullied Susan Boyle, at school like, oh gross yeah. you troll get off the stage disgusting <laughs> and then she yeah. sings they're like what but it's all like with my family it's almost become like self parody we watch this show yeah. and every freaking performance they dig up some sort of tragic backstory to frame this person as like here's why they should win yeah. you know here's the and literally some of them are like digging so hard like it's like my my tragic backstory is my dad couldn't be here right now because he's at work. Yeah, <laughs> I had Man, to FaceTime I, him. I have such and a hard time. And then they're like, and now he's here. You know, reality but shows like, because it. I I do end up like I like them. Like I like. There's a show called The Prophet. Yeah, um, I like that show. But I do see. I can't help but see the patterns. Right. Where it's like okay, it's. It's 15 minutes till the end. They go to commercial, so they haven't installed all the lights yet and and he's gonna come in and say what you haven't gotten all this we open tomorrow (laughs) and then it comes back from commercial and like no we did oh okay (laughs) Uh, or like the um the the undercover boss it's always like all right this is the person who has cancer who they're gonna give like pay for their child's college face yeah (laughs) Yeah. here comes the cancer part (laughs) that he ends up having happen happening he happens to work with this person who doesn't know who he is, and they happen yeah. to share, or her, they happen to share <laughs> their tragic uh, story with this intern. Right. Well, <laughs> and like my my left-brained analytical side, which usually isn't a big part of me, but that kicks in when I watch like America's Got Talent, because uh-huh. I go like, objectively, this, you know, this 
troupe who has spent years creating this magic performance with electric lights that they created themselves and stuff. Objectively, they are more impressive than this 12-year-old girl singing. Yes. But people who watch this show want to see the 12-year-old girl win because yeah. her dad died or whatever. You know? <laughs> Which is funny because we do like story and stuff, and that's theatrics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think it's because we see behind the curtain Exactly. That we're like, yeah. yeah, it's theatrics, but it's all like manufactured. And we know that there are people. I mean, maybe that's why I get so frustrated with Christian movies. Because I'm like, there's people who think this is real. Yeah. That annoys me because I know it's not real. I, uh, I think it's not, also maybe an not, artist I'm not thing. saying Christianity isn't real. I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that when there's a miracle in a movie or, or you know, the this does happen. You know, like we've yeah. been our little running joke throughout this episode. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, that's stuff that that we're like, yeah, but it, it doesn't happen. And so you see all that like manufactured aspect, like the show Catfish, where they're like, we're going to meet this person for the first time. And they like get out of their car and you hear them talk. And I'm like, well, who put the microphone on them then? <laughs> like you can hear them perfectly right. from across the parking lot. Yeah. How did that happen? Somebody knew this was going to happen. I think I also get like really fed up with it as as someone who is creative. And, mm-hmm. and I guess sort of a performer-ish, like, because I go, if I was on this show, I would be so freaking fed up with, like, being asked to come up with a tragic backstory to win. I would be like, I'm the best act. I should win because I'm the best act. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you um, watch uh, Shark Tank? Sometimes. Not not a ton, but but I know the decent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Amount. I love that show. Because of that, like, obviously, it's it's highly edited. There's a lot of stage stuff. But right. there's always the moment where the, the the people get desperate whenever they're like, nah, your product sucks. We don't want to invest. And they'll like, well, I wasn't going to mention this, but <laughs> I've got cancer <laughs> or whatever. You know, that same thing. It's not always yeah. cancer. It's like, I've invested all of my life savings into this, <laughs> and I believe in it. But they don't, like, sometimes they'll feel bad, but since these people are actually investing their own money, they're like, well, I'm <laughs> sorry, but nope, I still yeah. can't invest in your product. But yeah. they'll say something nice, but they don't give in to it. And I, I don't know, there's something satisfying about that, that, yeah. you know, yeah, they have the sad drama and stuff, but the premise of the show is that these people aren't going to invest in something that they don't believe in. And so, yeah, I don't know. It just feels good. I I usually (laughs) look forward to that with Simon Cowell, or at least I used to, you know, I I don't enjoy meanness, like no, but honesty being cruel about honesty is great about the real world. Like, yeah, Yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. And in reality, I I know you care about singing, but you just can't make it in this industry. Literally, I watched an America's Got Talent episode a few weeks ago where this little girl gets up on stage and she sings a song. And when she's finished, Simon Cowell says, uh, young lady, I don't think that song uh, expressed your vocal range very mm. well. Yeah. And I'm not very, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think I can say yes on this. And then he says, do you have another song you could sing? And so she sings another song. And then he goes, I still don't think it expressed it very well. And then he still doesn't say no. And they say, all right, we're going to go to commercial break. And she's going to come back with another song to sing. 
And I was and like, like that, but not that's not fair because not and everybody then they, else got to And play then they that. said yes after that song. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> Simon Cowell used to be the guy who would say no, and now this is what you're doing, yeah. you know. I don't know why. I Maybe he's seen attention. so many bad singers now. He's, he's, it's like uh, it's like movie reviewers. They're like, well, but it's pretty good for Americans. <laughs> America's Got Talent, uh, whatever, it's uh, yeah. contestant. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Right. I brought it full yep. circle. Oh, I should have made a Star Man, Wars reference, and that would have You should really have done it. It would have completed it. I was going to hopefully bring it full circle because I need to wrap it up. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, man, we really went on some tangents here. I enjoyed it. I expected that. I think we solved the world's problems, so (laughs) that's good. We did it. Yeah. (laughs) Man, thanks so much for having me on your show. This has been a blast. It was really fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. I am hoping to, yeah, get some more YouTube friends on in the future. Um, Tell people where they can find you, as you do at the end of podcasts. Oh, yes. You can find me on YouTube. That's right. I got a YouTube channel, which means I made it. They let me in. Nice. Uh, YouTube.com slash say goodnight, Kevin. You have not been censored yet. Yeah, I haven't been canceled. <laughs> I will be. Believe me. It's uh, PC gone mad. Oh, yes. Yeah. To, to reference the Weekly Planet. Yes. As, as you would. <laughs> Man, we're doing just the we're doing the the quoting a random thing. Yes. Thing. <laughs> I, o- I only quoted it because I knew say you would get Kevin. it. <laughs> Well, if people want to find me, you're listening to my podcast, so this shouldn't be hard. The yeah. links are in the description. Uh, Blockbusted Pod on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, I've been working a, a real job the past few months, so I haven't had time to do YouTube videos. <laughs> but I'm hoping to get back to it soon. Um, I recently watched Avatar The Last Airbender, which was amazing, and I'm hoping to do some videos about it, potentially. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. The, uh, the show. I've been doing yes, some, the, some memes. The show. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you've seen my meme. No, because, wait, do you follow my, if you follow my Facebook page. I Facebook. just friended you to make this call to talk right. to you today. Well, so. but, but there's a Sega Night Kevin Facebook page. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. We got a lot of memes. I need to post them on Twitter and stuff. Uh, it's nice. not just me making them. Spoiler alert. Wow. Uh, I, uh, but they're still pretty funny. <laughs> a lot of them are, we've been doing a last, uh, Avatar Last Airbender month last oh, nice. month we did um what did we do it's been so long now i can't remember is uh, it always a, a tv show or a movie or something um it's we've only done it twice now so i should remember <laughs> uh hold on i'm gonna you can cut this out or you can keep all of this in I'll leave uh, it all in. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I, I like just wanted to planet. give you a little bit of work here at the end to have to go in. Where was that time? <laughs> it had been in the so middle? easy. All I was going to have to do was cut out the political stuff, and then it would be. <laughs> yeah, you get all my political rants. I uh, hope you cut all, all of those it. out. Yeah, <laughs> I I said some real bad stuff. Oh yes. Oh, I will say. I will say uh, yes. about the Weekly Planet. They um, every time they say, Rob. Uh, batten, batten, bat. <laughs> Robert, Robert, batten, bat. I it it yes. hurts me inside because I made that joke before they said it. <laughs> I mean, it's an obvious joke because it you know it comes from saying uh uh the um you know Ben 
a bat flick, you right. know. And so or Robert Robert Pattinson would be Robert yeah. Pattinson, but then it's like, well, that's obvious. Let's just take it to the <laughs> the extreme. Rob as you do bat. with internet humor. Yeah. Yes, uh, and somebody, um, I commented like they said it, and so and anyway, every time they say it, it hurts me a little bit inside because uh, I know that they don't run their Twitter. That somebody else runs their Twitter, right? But yeah. their Twitter liked my tweet about it that happened before, and, and yet I'm they like, still probably don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know. <laughs> and they'll. But I'm sure a million people. It's like it's the most obvious joke. So I'm like, well, obviously, this is a case of a bunch of people thinking of the same dumb <laughs> joke. But uh, yeah. but I do want credit if they uh, if they ever found out. That, yeah. that I came up with it. I was trying to find a way to link that back to the email chain joke we had going. Because we I know that it, it does we know, happen. <laughs> yeah, that it does happen. People do say Rob at bat and bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, it has been great having you on. I, I knew we'd have similar niches to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised at how many things that we, uh, I don't know why. Yeah. I, like, I, I expected a lot, but maybe because Knives Out was such a strong topic. I wasn't sure if that yeah, would be something. Good. I thought you were homeschooled, so you wouldn't have watched a movie like that. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am a 20-year-old man now. I'm not sheltered you, anymore. You, oh, that's right. I You're say, a former I say homeschooler, frick. so you, <laughs> you've gone really bad. <laughs> you watched Off the deep end. all the Harry Potters. I actually had a man. I was just wrapping it up, and then I, now I've got I'm a story. Sorry. It's my I had a I had a homeschool friend uh, who grew up very very sheltered. And when I met her, she didn't know who the Avengers were. She didn't know who oh. Spider Man was. Yeah. She didn't know who James sure. Bond was. Harry Potter, definitely not. Uh, and now she's gone off the deep end, homeschool wise. She's graduated high school and she's in college, and she has. In, a, in an act of rebellion, of homeschool mm-hmm, rebellion, sure. she yeah. has changed her name to the Elvish translation of her name. Whoa. And she introduces herself. Ma- <laughs> Take that, dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't like it. And so it must be objectively That's the correct. most homeschool story I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it. The only, diff- the only thing... Worse would be like if it was the like a Narnia name or something, right? Which would be even more niche. Somehow. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> well, just to bring all of this full circle, yes. the subject of the memes for Sega Night Kevin's Facebook was Star Wars. Ah, yes. Wow, man! If only we could say something controversial about Ryan Johnson to end out the episode. Oh, I like man. him. He's nice. Ryan Johnson's <laughs> Star Wars is the best of the three. Wow. <laughs> that is a controversial take. Man. I, I think it's the second best. I th- I might have enjoyed it the most, uh, but yeah. I really liked the, the Force Awakens. It felt really good to see Star Wars back. It's pretty enjoyable. And yeah. uh, But I think, may, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, gonna, st- I, you know what? I'm gonna slightly take a stand on that, but also say I'm probably <laughs> wrong. That's what you have to do on the internet now, <laughs> and that's how you have to close out podcasts. Yes, thanks right. for having me on. Yeah, thanks. It was awesome.
Bye, guys. I'll see you guys in whenever the next episode is six months from now. <laughs>